Hello there and welcome to the Get Fench Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Adam White and Samuel Rook. Now we've wiped off all the way, uh, the makeup that will be, uh, ate all the sweets and, and taken off all the masks. Well, except Adam at least. Uh, it's time to get back to the football. But was it frightful for France's European hopefuls and who's in for a scare this weekend at least? A little bit of a post-Halloween binge after the latest headlines. Paris Saint-Germain strode proudly into the next round of the Champions League with a comfortable 5-0 win at home to over Anderlecht, uh, which included a hat-trick, surprisingly, from left-back Levin Kozawa. Monaco's trip to Turkey turned into disappointment as despite going ahead thanks to Ronnie Lopez, a, a Cenk Tosu Pen penalty, <laughs> butchered that name, it's Tosun, uh, helped Besiktas draw one all and push the league and champions on the brink of elimination. In the Europa League this evening, Lyon won 3-0 at home to send Everton crashing out of the competition with goals from Bertrand Traore, OSM Awa and Memphis Depay. In the two later fixtures, Marseille dropped to a 1-0 defeat away to Victoria, with Patrice Evra being sent off before the game started after kicking out at a fan, and Bubakar Kamara being sent off during the game for a second bookable offence. And finally, in Italy, Nice lost to Lazio due to a Maxime Le Marchand late own goal, which sees them only two points above Zulta Vargem, who won this evening. And that's all for your news, at least. But for all the latest, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfriends.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this evening with Paris Saint-Germain, who pretty comfortably walked into the next stage of the Champions League. And Adam, that was a really good result again for them. Uh, this looks like they, uh, well, they're home and dried now, at least to get to the next round. But um it should be relatively comfortable looking at going to uh, top the group now, isn't it? Yeah, you would hope so. Um, I think that uh, that 3-0 win over Bayern is obviously going to be the key result. Um, when um, If that game had been a little bit more sort of a narrower victory for PSG, the return of Jupp Heynckes uh, at Bayern, as you mentioned before, would have been a little bit more worrying. But given that you would expect both teams to win all their games between, well, there's only one more game, isn't there? So, uh, the spins of Celtic, the Anderlecht, the, to, for Bayern to overturn that 3-0 that deficit, they'd have to beat PSG 4-0 because it's a head-to-head -head record. A 3-0 victory would very likely put PSG through on, on goal difference. Their goal difference is vastly superior to Bayern's. So you'd imagine that their hope, from their point of view anyway, they're um they're pretty much there as it as it stands. Although last season um you would have expected them to win the group as well. They put themselves in the position to win the group and they obviously drew at home to Luda Gerrits on the final final day of the season. So they're not, as we're well aware of PSG, they're not um they're not too adverse to, to bottling it when uh, when you know when you expect them not to. So it's still not sewn up by any means. Celtic will want to get into the Europa League and they'll take that game seriously. Unlike Anderlecht yesterday, yes, who I felt um, their manager, even, who felt I, you know, felt not that they didn't take it seriously, but perhaps they were they kind of resigned to defeat before the game even started. I think their manager mentioned in the build-up that he didn't see how they could beat PSG um, at, at the Parc de France, which is you know a bit of an admission of you know that they don't feel like that it's a game that's going to be overly competitive. And few of their players didn't didn't make that team. Um, Tia Dorchik, who's who's been in, who's a, was a very very good striker last season, has really tailed off recently. But he was left out, um, and they 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 look like a team who were resigned to defeat from from the beginning. And it was easy for PSG. They they controlled the game from start start to finish. Um, Levin Kazar became the second PSG forward to get a hat trick this season after Thomas Munier's hat trick for butter for Belgium. And it was very, very simple. And it turned out, especially in the second half, after PSG got in front, to be a bit of a nothing event. But um, that's nothing. There's nothing PSG can do about that. They'll, they'll take the win and they'll take the even more increased goal difference over Bayern Munich. And um, they'll take the, the positives from what was, albeit with pretty limp opposition, was a very, very good performance. And 
some confidence boosting performances for for some players. So yeah, you'd expect them to win the group from here. Um, but not not that I wouldn't take it for granted just yet. But they're in a very very good position, and it's 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 their main early season objective is to win this group because they've they've not benefited from not winning groups before. They've really sort of as we mentioned last season when they, they you know obviously came against Barcelona. So um, yeah, you'd expect them to win the group from here. Yeah, and quickly a word from from you, Sam, as well about what feels like the strangest hat trick of the season. I mean, Levan Kazawa has scored plenty of goals in the past. He's not a, well, not a stranger to being in the opponent's box box, but he's had a pretty bad season. He's not wasn't really great in this one, but he's ended up with three goals in the headlines. It was it was bizarre. Uh, I don't think anyone would have bet on him scoring a hat trick. Um, I mean, obviously. But even even halfway through the game, you wouldn't have expected it. When he got a second goal, that was almost laughable in itself. Just just crazy, so unlikely. And then the third just just made it the the perfect capper on what was a very strange strange game of football. As Adam mentioned, it sort of petered out early from being much of a spectacle. But that really added like a nice sideshow. Um, he addressed his critics after scoring the hat trick with his the, the finger to the mouth, shushing the critics. Um, that's not gone down super well. Didier Deschamps has uh, said he's going to speak to them about that, tell them to sort of keep his opinions to himself. Uh, it's been a strange season for Kozawa. He's uh, He began the season on fire last year, uh, but it's been a long time since he's been very good. So really quite odd that he would get a Champions League hat-trick. I don't think anyone would have predicted that. Mm, yeah, it was very strange. And <laughs> you'd like to say his reaction was not greeted too well by even some of his fellow players, really. It was a very strange one in the end. Uh, the team that didn't do so well on uh, Champions League week uh, duty this week, at least anyway, is uh, Monaco, who had the terrible sort of omen of trying to go to Besiktas, of all places, in the Vodafone Arena and try and get a result. And I, I was on this game, and it, it, it was another one of those Champions League performances from Monaco this season where they just never quite looked like they were going to win the game. It was a relatively tepid first half. They, both sides tried to make something happen, but it was it was almost like they were trying to force it. And then Roddy Lopez comes up with a really nice finish that Monaco maybe just edged in that first half, maybe deserved it. They they sort of stuttered after Tommy Lamar had to come off for injury and uh, Jovetic come on and Balde was forced out wide. But they, they again, in that 4-2-3-1, weren't quite, clicking in the same way and as soon as they gave away the penalty and conceded it only really looked like it was either going to be Besiktas's day on the counter-attack or it, it was going to stay as a draw and unfortunately that's how it's it's ended up and Adam they're, they're four points off Porto now um, they would need to win both their games to absolutely well to guarantee it because they play RB Leipzig first they need to hope Porto don't win uh, against the Turkish side, and then when they face the Portuguese side on the final match day, they need, well, they need all three points. Um, it's uh, it's a real tough ask, isn't it? Now, it really is. Um, it's it's going to be such a disappointment if they don't make it through in this in this Champions League group. Because when it was drawn, you kind of felt like that they had a really good opportunity to make it through because it was a very very even group. And given they made the semi-finals last year, you would have put them as not favourites, but you would have put them as a as a you know a, a pretty likely side to finish in the top two, I still think there is a way a way out of this group for Monaco though. Um, given how well Besiktas have played in the Champions League, they did, they did well to get a draw at what is a very very difficult place to go in the Vodafone Arena um, last night or night before now. Sorry, no, last night. Um, and you you can imagine that given how Besiktas have played, as I mentioned, they could beat Porto. Or to be honest, Monaco assuming they need to win both games and they do need to win both games, a draw between Porto and Besiktas wouldn't be at the end of the world for them because I don't think it would change too much what Monaco would have to do. So if they were to beat Leipzig as they visit the Principality, that would, even if Porto and Bichette were to draw, that with Porto on seven points and Monaco on five. And then Monaco would have to go to Porto and win, which given how they played against Porto uh, at the Stade Louis de seems unlikely, but it's not by, by any means beyond the rounds of possibility. So you can, you can see a way out of this group for Monaco, but not making it out, which still seems probably the, you know, the most likely outcome, is extremely disappointing. And uh, whether they would drop into the Europa League, whether they would take that seriously, whether they they see themselves as a team that could win that that competition, um, are all interesting questions. And I, I they have talent to win that competition. Manchester United did it last year, obviously with uh, with a with a with a 
you would argue, but in a similar position, they didn't really expect themselves to be there, but they, they, they made the most of it, and it was a good way back into the Champions League. I don't think Monaco need it as a way into the Champions League. I still think they're going to be second in the league, but it could be an opportunity for them to win another trophy. And if they do drop into that competition, then they'll be one of the favourites. So there's, there are silver linings left in Monaco's, um, Monaco's season so far, and I, I wouldn't write them off in, in Europe just yet. And I would expect them to beat Leipzig at, at home, um, given that the, the the way the group's going, and given it's again they need to win. So although it's disappointing, I think that Monaco have have chances to impress themselves upon Europe um, in the main two games here and and after Christmas too. So not all lost, but very disappointing so far. Nonetheless, they haven't won any games in this group so far, which is pretty damning considering that they haven't really got any heavyweights in this group. Still, I think they still have to play for for them though. Yeah, and this is a super competitive group, and we mentioned it when it was drawn, Sam, but you look at the place where Monaco are now, they they obviously do need two wins, then that starts with the, in three weeks in the, when they have the Germans to host, but would falling into the Europa League be good for them, or, or would it possibly be even better for Monaco, really, at least in league terms, to, to drop out of Europe altogether? I think that a lot of the time we, we sort of say, Dropping out of Europe is better than, than dropping into the Europa League because you've got all these extra games. It's you know it's hard. There's lots of longer trips. It's it's not as much fun as the Champions League. But I think for Monaco and for this Monaco team where they are right now, extra games isn't really a problem. They've got the players. They're just still trying to work out their exact identity again. They're trying to work out how this this large squad exactly fits together. What the combinations are. They lost so many players in the summer they still need to really work out who they are again and, and which players that they bought, they bought so many, are the ones that, that fit into the places left by all those players that left. I think it would be a good thing to be in the Europa League because you'd have plenty of good competitive games against good sides. And as Adam said, they're good enough to go on a run. They're good enough to win that competition. There'll be plenty of good sides in it. There always are. But I think that'd be a good thing for Monaco to, to have another nice European run. It won't be as glamorous as last year but they might go a little further than they did in the Champions League. And as I always say, and as many Man United fans will attest to, it's another trophy in the cabinet if you get there as well. It's always worth going for. Let's move on to the teams that are currently in the Europa League, at least, and we'll touch upon all three very quickly. And I'll start with Leon Adam, who won 3-0 in the end this evening, and with an excellent second half, really, where they overpowered Everton with uh, some really nice goals from uh, Aouar, especially, and Depay playing a, a reasonably... A decent game as well where they sort of slowly tore him apart and after two draws where we were worried after the Limassol game especially that they were maybe fading in this group two wins and now they're in the driving seat really a point against the uh, Cypriot side in a, in a couple of weeks time we'll, we'll definitely see them through and, and that's a, well, what as we expected isn't it even in a in a, what was a tough group on paper at least Yeah I think they'll be relatively happy with um, with how it's gone so far um, Everton put out a pretty weak team this evening and, and a team that didn't look like it was capable of really winning this game without a striker in it and with three defensive midfielders and, um, you know, young players like Benny Beningami starting who may, who may be promising, but, you know, it wasn't a team that looked like they were taking this, this game or this competition too seriously after what has been a terrible start for them. But from, from Leon's point of view, they'll definitely take, take the result, you know, very kindly because it was, it was one that when the group started, perhaps you would have seen as, as a difficult game and, Although Everton, um, you know, aren't the side in this type of competition that you would have, would have hoped for, it's still, it's still a three 0 win at home against them. It's still a very, very good result. Um, and you would expect them to, to, you know, given that, given that gap to Limassol, they, they have they got to play Limassol again, and Limassol got to come to them. I seem to think so. They, they're not they're not 100 percent through just yet, but you would you would obviously with eight with a six point gap with two games to play, you would obviously back them. Um, I think that this is this could be Leon's competition this year. We talked about Monaco. Last last year, obviously on the pod, because we previewed them before. Um, sorry, Leon last year. Sorry on the pod, as they they got to the the, the semi-finals, and um, although that the you know they've lost a couple of players in Toliso and, and Lacazette, and their squad doesn't look as as strong in terms of individuals this season, they 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 could genuinely challenge for this competition again with the way that Mario Diaz Diaz is playing. You know, he's, he's um, doing he's scored a lot of goals in the league. He's up to I think he's on eight goals, which is the fourth top, highest top scorer in the league, which is a decent start. You know, after this being his real sort of first taste of, of European first team football, being on the fringes at Real Madrid, of course, and Depay playing well in this competition as well. He's played well tonight, and it's got a header, which is unbelievable. I don't, you know, he's one of the players you wouldn't expect to score a header. Everton seem to be 
seem to be letting unusual players score headers against them, with Ozil scoring one as well for Arsenal the other week. So a uh, bit of an unusual, unusual situation. But they had the players again to, to go to go well in this tournament with Hus- uh, with uh, OR playing so well and Fakir, you know, hitting the, hitting the ground running the start of the season. So I think the really interesting question is what do Leon expect from this season and what do they expect from this competition? Do they expect to 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 make the top three in league in or do they expect to challenge for the Europa League? Uh, possibly both. And as the season goes on and they they start to rotate the players, they need to think a lot about which of those two competitions they want to prioritise. Third place is going to be extremely hard fought in Ligue 1. They're definitely good enough to finish there. But with the Europa League, um, as, a, as a bit of a sort of a, a caveat to that, in the games that it takes up and the, the, the fatigue it adds and the, 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 the rotation of the squad that's needed and the travelling involved, it, it, they may be finding, finding third with the teams like Snetienne and Bordeaux and, and Nice who may in, end up getting back into that fight and Nantes playing very well. It's going to be a really, really close battle, Marseille in there too. So they, they may end up thinking that the Europa League is, is a competition that they can genuinely win and they may, they may start to think that prioritising it would be a good idea. Um, but obviously winning it's going to be difficult. So I think it's a very difficult decision for Genesio to, to make and he'll end up probably you know, trying to hedge his bets a little bit if they get to the latter stages. Um, and they're still fighting for that Champions League place because the, 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 what this really boils down to is that Leon see themselves as a Champions League team. And obviously both these are routes into the Champions League. And um, when you look at big clubs in France, you know, they're, they're up there. So um, it's, it's whether... It's it's whether they 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 prioritise one or the other, and and whether they feel they can make an impact in in both or or just one. So um, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. If they keep their squad fit, who knows? They could easily finish in the top three and and get to the semi-finals at least of this competition. So I think there's a lot more to come from Leon in this tournament, and um, I look forward to seeing them seeing who they draw in the next round, which we assume they 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 they'd make. And um, it'd be interesting to see how they equip themselves against a side who are on, a, on an equal level to them. I know that Atalanta are a very good team and uh, Alejandro Gomez is an absolutely brilliant player um, and, you know, they're going to be very difficult to beat. But I would still, in a latter round knockout tie, I still expect Leon to beat Atalanta. So if they if they get drawn against a genuine like heavyweight competition, it's interesting to see how that goes. But um, some exciting times ahead in this competition, I think, for Leon. I think they can, at their new stadium, as they did last year, can make a real impact. So... Um, lots to play for, both both uh, on the continent and at home for Lyon. Yeah, and the final being in Lyon can only be more motivation for them, exactly. really. In, 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 if anything, um, another well, a team that did not get off to the best of evenings tonight, Sam, and that's uh, Marseille, who, ignoring the game that's ended pretty poorly with a one nil defeat to a, a relative. Well, I think saying a middling Portuguese side is maybe being a little bit harsh on Vitória, but they're not one of the big three, at least, anyway, in that uh, division. But the headlines are going to be on Patrice Evra for what antics he got up to at the uh, the start of the game, showing how much he loves this game at the moment, really, which is uh, not very much from the seeming of things, going uh, all Eric Cantona, it seems, on a on a player in a, in a great kick that's more, more, more suited to UFC, I think, more than anything else. But... Uh, an embarrassing moment, really, for a, a very, very experienced player. It was probably the best piece of technique he's shown in a Marseille shirt. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, it, it may result in him not wearing one again for quite some time. If we will remember that Cantona, with his own karate kick, earned a nine-month suspension. You've got to think Evra will probably face a pretty heavy ban. People already talking 12 matches, which honestly doesn't even seem that bad for, for kicking a fan. Uh, it's it's just madness, and as you say, he's he's one of the most experienced players in Europe. This is a man that's played everywhere, that's won everything, that absolutely knows better. The whole reason he was signed was to be a leader of this club, not really for his playing, because obviously he's a little bit beyond his best at this point, as he found out in Juventus. Uh, to just snap like that, I understand he's a guy that's under pressure, he's being criticised, rightly, but that sort of a reaction is is just difficult to try and understand and worrying at the same time it's it's you never want to set those precedents again we were always worried about fans obviously coming onto the pitch but that that is regardless of what the fans said or anything like that that's unacceptable unfortunately and it's a it's a shame it's to not even self defense as well is it it's no. really strange because there's a really good video on the on the GFFN twitter feed of, of I think he had received quite a lot of abuse before the game, and he has been for Marseille fans for quite some time. But although there's sort of a bit of a ruckus going on, he just he just kicks out. It's not like he's in. It's not like he's like defending himself. He's he just sort of he just kicks out at a fan. It's bizarre, isn't it? 
Mm, yeah, it feels very strange, and we all will wait really for his explanation, which hopefully will shed some kind of light on it. But we'll wait and see. He's the first ever player to be sent off before a game in the Europa League <laughs> era, at least, anyway. So uh, he claims that accolade at least. But uh, uh, the final team that didn't get the result they wanted tonight, although they their group still seems uh, relatively comfortable given their earlier results, and that's Nice, who lost one nil to Lazio in. <sighs> I must admit, I, I unfortunately watched this game and it was absolutely abysmal. <laughs> it was there was me sat there prepared for about half an hour before going, I'm looking forward to seeing this interesting Lazio side that's played quite well in Serie A, but their two best players were left off in, in Milinkovic-Savic on the bench and they left Immobile at home and uh, it created one of the worst games I've seen this season and summed up by the goal that was actually scored with a, with a corner that was flicked on and Le Marchand... Uh, happily obliged in heading it into his own net, which kind of sums up Nice and kind of sums up their season at the moment, doesn't it, Sam? I mean, I'm just reading on up to Jean as well, the, that uh, this is Nice's sixth loss in a row in all competitions, their worst run since 2013. Uh, damning, isn't it? Very much so. I mean, a few months ago, uh, you know, end of September, we thought, well, they've they've turned the corner, they've, they've put all the unpleasantness behind them, they're building again. The, the crazy Marseille game happened, and, and then it's just been five more defeats, just defeat after defeat, and they're they sort of sneaking into trouble in Liga. I mean, they're, they're only ahead of Strasbourg on goal difference. They really are struggling for form. Lazio are obviously one of the form teams in Europe, so there's no shame in losing to Lazio home and away, and the odd goal late in a scrappy game, again, it's not no humiliation, but when it's sandwiched between all these defeats, just... It's really rough, and it's it's really disappointing for those of us who enjoyed so much their sort of breath of fresh air over the last two seasons. They've been a really fun, attractive side to watch, and it's a real shame that to hear you say you, you sat through that game and, and you seem to regret having done so. <laughs> it's just, just a tad. They were absolutely abysmal. I mean, it was... I don't think I've seen a game where I, neither side really had to defend well to stop them from attacking it was really everyone in front of the front of the ball at all times there was no penetration from player or or the wing there's just no width play with uh with nice at the moment the only person who seems bothered really is Arnold Suke who, who tries so hard down that right hand side to make something happen but there's there's never anyone in the box when they do get into that area player pulls out like he's a t uh, number 10 there's there's no focal point there's no midfield well, there's not a semblance of a midfielder at the moment. There's no width. They just uh, are a bit all over the place, and they were probably lucky that Lazio did rest their best players. Otherwise, this could have been a well, it could have been a real spanking if it was a kind of Lazio performance we've seen that they've been against Juventus and the like this season so far. But let's throw all the Europa League negativeness in the, into the background and let's uh, head on to our league previews. And we start with Friday night's game between Ren and Bordeaux. One side slightly rising, and one slide slightly fading you would say and I'll I'll give the one that's slightly rising to you Adam and that's in in Ren who are playing ever so slightly better in recent weeks they've won their last three in all competitions wins obviously caveats that they are against Lille, Dijon and and Montpellier although Montpellier were in good form heading into that one but they're, they're narrow wins uh, are they turning a corner or is this another kind of false dawn like we saw once they picked up that result at Marseille um, back in September, I know. I think this is a little bit shows a little bit more consistency, and I think that given given the makeup of their squad, um, these are the type of the results that they're going to have to be looking to get at the moment. I don't, you know, as we've mentioned a number of times, although what a good player Melish Sar is, still only nineteen, isn't really a centre forward, and he's been injured since since the start of since 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 September. So. He hasn't even been involved in those sort of games. Um, and he was sort of the focal point of their attack. And um, Brandon's come in in the last couple of games and done okay. And Dembele's up there too. But they, they lack a goal scorer. They lack goals in general, starting with Mwasa. And Wabi Kazi is good for the odd goal, but not but barely prolific. Um, and they, 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 they're very blunt in Cordo. So they have to rely on, on low scoring games and they have to rely on their defence. You know, Joris Nyanyan's a very, very good player. Um, and the reliance on him is going to only be accentuated with with this sort of makeup of team. And you look at like games like against Montpellier with a, with a one nil win. You know, it's a, it's a, those are the type of games they're going to need to be winning between now and the end of the season, given the the, the trajectory that their season is on. And obviously beat Lille one nil, two sides, and Dijon in the Coupe de Ligue, as you mentioned. 
two sides in the league at least who, who have struggled to score goals and two sides perhaps that suited this, this Ren side the way that it's set up. Um, and with, with Lille not being able to score either, um, they, they, you mentioned in the previous call, it was kind of the battle of the calamities and, and they managed to win out there in, in what was a relatively tight game. Um, and then Montpellier as well. Montpellier are very, 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 find it very, very difficult to break teams down that aren't in the top six, apparently. And, and given the way they play, they like to counter attack and they like to hit the space in behind with, with, their, with their fullbacks and their wingbacks and some of their pace up front. And obviously, Ren weren't going to provide that to them. So, this is a game, two games that suited them. And between now and the end of the year, if they're going to finish in a respectable position, I don't see them challenging for Europe at all, of course given the way that their season's gone, unless they sign a genuine striker in the window, which I, I again, don't really see them doing, perhaps. I mean, Gorkas would want to, but whether they whether they have the funds is, is another question, having spent that money on on, on Saar. I imagine they've got still some, some of the Dembele money left over, so there may be some opportunity there, but whether, they, whether they're whether able to spend that is, 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 is another question. So they're going to need to be looking to these teams that are in and around them in the bottom half of the table and, and being solid defensively, not particularly exciting to watch and, and nicking 1-0 wins. And, that's something that, that they can do. Uh, Christian Gorka, despite how the season has gone for him, he's still a very, very knowledgeable and very, very astute league and coach. And he knows how to get results in this league if you give him enough time. And although it's been poor so far, I'd still back him to to, to drag Wren away from the, the relegation fight, at least an intimate table. But they're going to need to, they're not going to be very exciting to watch doing it, unfortunately, which is a shame. But um, that they, that's kind of the home fault a little bit and not signing a central striker. Uh, and, and even though, we we sort of derived Giovanni Sio on 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 in, in talking about friendship. He's hardly the most prolific or most exciting strikers. He did offer them a focal point and a genuine presence up front. Even though he wasn't didn't score so many goals, he could he could you know players playing off him like Diakabi and 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 people around him. Wesley Saeed on occasion too, um, Kalulu occasionally too. There were there were opportunities there, but now they're a bit sort of they're a bit sort of full of midfielders and and no strikers. So they're going to need to be winning games close and one nil need to keep the ball a lot more. And, and, and sneaking those results. And this this isn't so much of a turning point, it's more of a realisation that that's what they're going to have to do, I think, from Christian Gorkov. So, uh, for their point of view, though, I hope it continues. And um, I, I, I hope that they sign a striker, but if they don't, this is this is what the type of run we're going to see for, for the rest of the season, I think. Mm, I think at the same time, though, that seeing Giovanni Cio again at the weekend when he played for Montpellier, the amount of great <laughs> chances he missed uh, yeah. didn't make them miss him much, I don't think. No, I think they were pretty glad to see him. See him go against them more than anything. But Sam, we mentioned Bordeaux a few times recently that they've, especially since that Paris Saint Germain game, have sort of fallen off in October. They drew one and lost two. And yes, one defeat was to Monaco, but the other one was to Amiens uh, away from home. But they showed signs of something against Monaco, but they're just not seemingly scoring goals at the moment. Malcolm's maybe gone a little bit quiet. Camano is, has maybe gone off the ball. Nicola de Preville's still yet to get a goal for them. It, is that where they're really lacking at the moment? It is, but I think this maybe isn't the surprise that it sort of seems to be. Um, I think some of the games that they won earlier in the season when they, they looked to be sort of rising up the table, the Gangon win, the Toulouse win in particular, there was a lot of luck in those games. There was a lot of chances for the opposition going awry, chances just going in for Bordeaux out of not many. They didn't create much, and they're still not creating much, but now it's, it's just kind of like the percentages are going against them. They're creating some things. They're playing okay as, as against Monaco. They were not terrible, but they weren't great. And it's difficult for them to know what to do next, what to change. They're, they're refusing to change the system. They're sticking with the way they're playing. Uh, it's difficult with the squad that they have. There's not a lot of options to really change things. And if Malcolm, Camano, Depreville, if those guys can't make things happen, there's not a lot of other options for them to, to look at to change things. The midfield is a very, very functional midfield. It's not a particularly attractive, creative one. It's one that's designed to control games and allow the, the players to play. But if those players aren't making things happen, this is what's going to happen. They're going to struggle. And, and they're facing a pretty serious month of fixtures ahead of them now. Um, Rennes first, then Marseille. And I think it gets even more difficult after that. It's... it's, it's uh, who they got next? Uh, Marseille, Caen away from home, Saint-Étienne. That's a difficult month of fixtures, and, and this could be really where we, we start to see that the problems that Bordeaux have are either fixable or they're not, because the problems have been clearly there for a month. If they can't be fixed over this next month, you can forget about European football, which, which seemed like it was within their grasp not so long ago. 
Yeah, the real worry was if the goals started to dry up because of that defence and uh, it's starting to become a realisation at least. And Adam, what's your prediction in this one? Um, I'm going to say Bordeaux 1-0. Just a quick point on Bordeaux. I think there's there's, there's a bit of a balance issue with them. It's getting the best out of Malcolm and Nicolas de Prego in the same team and playing 4-3-3 gets the best out of Malcolm. And playing four four two, we get the best out of Depravel, but not Malcolm. Whereas Depravel isn't suited to that centre and central striker role, where Gorvenet wants to play him in a four three three. He's isolated, he's got no support, and he's not going to be able to hold at the ball. And he's going to be the main source of goals. You're looking at their squad, so they kind of have to think: maybe is Alex Mendy play? Um, are they going to have to sort of re rejig the team slightly? So I think it's when Mal- when Malcolm's not, you know, winning games on his own, there comes a bit of an issue with balance between those two players, but. Hopefully, Gorvanek will, 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 will sort it out. And I still expect to win this game. And well, just the one goal to nil for me. Sam? Uh, I can't argue with that. I think Adam's got it. I think it's going to be 1 0 to Bordeaux. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And, and probably to your point, Adam, Adam I'd, I'd like to mention that. Um, might be an interesting idea to try Nicolas de Prevo on the on the left wing. I mean, he played more of a wider role at Reims when he created so much before he started scoring so many goals for Lille. Maybe trying that and, and trying either Amondi or even Kamano through the centre to try and maybe mix it up a little bit more. Might try and free the space for de Prevo a little bit more because he does seem to run into the areas that Malcolm wants to be in and then Malcolm be in the areas that he wants to be in. So maybe separating them a little bit might... Uh, give them a little bit more advantage but to two teams that are picking up a couple of results in in recent weeks and that's uh, Montpellier and Amiens I mean this we've already mentioned that Amiens took uh, points from Bordeaux but Montpellier went on a terrific run until that was um, abruptly halted by Rennes last weekend I mean they they got some great results from two draws from PSG and Monaco and, and wins over Nice and Saint-Étienne Adam they really proved a lot of the doubters, especially myself, for really that first month wrong. But is do they need to now carry on that momentum that they've they've they started to build? I mean, we thought that Saint-Étienne game was a good result, but the, the Ren one, they had their chances, but again they were they were wasteful. Indeed, yeah. I think I think that Montpellier are gonna be a bit of a, a bit unpredictable this season as as it's proved already to be honest. And the way their team is set up suits a certain type of game, I think. So when they do play someone like Sanetien, who were at home and obviously will had the onus on them to attack, that suits Montpellier, because they'll play with their five man defence and Mukaleli and uh we sit on, I think. Is he no. Uh Aguiar, perhaps no, sorry, Rusilion, sorry, my, my apologies. Yeah, Mukaleli and Rusilion when he's fit. Well, can attack from the fullback positions, um, and then you've got Casemiro if he's playing, um, and Benz. They've got lots of pace, so they, they quite space them, and they can attack, and they can they can they can take those nick those one nil wins. And in those situations, that there's also no onus for them to attack. They don't have to go and win the game. They're happy to take a draw. And it, the way Michel Desacarin sets his teams up um, in Ligue 1, as, as he did at Nantes, is that they're very functional and they're very efficient and they're well organised. And they don't score many goals. And as, as I've mentioned a number of times, non finished 14th twice in a row under him. Um, but were bottom lower scorers and second lower scorers, only, only above Troyes the second season. So he doesn't necessarily put much of an onus on goals. And to be honest, Montpellier are a team that uh, perhaps their title winning side aside, but they're not traditionally a goal-scoring club. It seems to be sort of in their DNA that they don't score too many goals. Even even if you look at their top goal scorers, uh, Laurent Blanc is their all-time record goal scorer, which is an unbelievable stat. Um, and it just it just seems to be in the way they play, and they sort of continue that a lot this season. Um, so when they come against against sides like this game against Amiens and the game against Rennes, sides who aren't going to you know leave space, who aren't going to attack, who aren't going to commit too many men forward, it's going to be a terrible game of football. And Montpellier probably won't win it because in terms of breaking a side down, they don't have the players in midfield to to un- unpick a defence and to keep with the ball and to apply pressure on it on a side that aren't going to give them the space to run into. And Amiens are definitely going to be one of those sides this week. So it, this may be, a, despite their win over Snetting, which was a great result, draw with PSG, another great result, draw with Monaco. You know, they those games suited Montpellier, but this game definitely won't. The onus be on them to attack. Amiens will be happily take a draw from this game and, and it, it could end up being a bit of a banana skin for them. So I, I think Montpellier play in a very specific way that that doesn't necessarily suit a certain type of game. And the difference between this and the, the, the Nantes team that, that Desikarian had is that he had, a, he had goal scorers, people that could score goals, not, not prolific goal scorers, but Salah's good for the odd goals. We know he's played very well under Conte Sauer now and Ranieri. 
Um, and they were, Bamu even even scored the old goal for him. So there the, the were players that were a little bit more clinical, perhaps. I don't know. I would ne- never call Yassin Bamu clinical, but there were players that could score the goals, given the opportunities. And there, I don't think there's a prolific or natural goal scorer anywhere near this Montpellier team. So that's that's the main difference between those two sides. And this this type of game would be a, could be a real slippery one for them. Mm, yeah, especially because Amien have had a much... Quite a nice October, really. Two wins in yeah. Liga. Uh, 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 well, uh, sorry, a, a win in Liga, winning the cup as well, and a and a draw. Uh, well, a, a nice little draw against Gangomp last week, really. Uh, Sam, I mean, looking looking at the results, if if Amiens managed to score a goal, they're at least guaranteed a point so far this season. In fact, that Gangomp result was the first time they've scored and not won so far this season. So it shows you how important that goal scoring really has been for them. But they they have really sort of, especially in the last couple of weeks, been a lot more competitive than many people give them credit for. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like they've, they've sort of found, found their place in, in Ligue 1 now. Uh, Serge Gakpé, the midfielder there, he said during the week uh, it was obvious that we were going to struggle coming up you know, from, from Ligue 1, getting a sort of first experience here at the top flight. Uh, but that now they've, they've found themselves. They've found their identity a little bit more. Um, they've learned that not scoring goals isn't necessarily a problem if you don't concede them either. They have the second worst attack in Ligue 1, but the defence is excellent. The defensive record is excellent, at least. They conceded the same number as Monaco. I mean, you can't really, you can't say better than that for a team with resources as small as they are. With a game in hand as well, say they pick up a point from that, say they pick up a point here, they're happily ensconced in the lower middle table. That's excellent for a club that most people probably thought would just go straight back down again. You know, we talk about not having reliable goal scorers. Lassina Traore, if he's your centre forward, that's not great. Uh, they're not they're not going to score many goals, but they've figured themselves out. And I think at this point, they know they don't need to score many. They've got a really good goalkeeper. They work really, really hard. And they've sort of figured themselves out. Against Gangon, they played for half an hour, down to 10 men, didn't wilt. That's not an easy thing to do. And maybe a few months ago, they would have done. But this is a nice, a nice run of fixtures that they've now put together, nice run of results, and they can really build on that. And survival now seems no longer a fantasy. Yeah, and looking at their November, it's going to be a really big one, really, for them. I mean, they play Montpellier in this one. Uh, yes, they have Monaco at home in a couple of weeks, which is after the international breaks, that's not an ideal one. But away to Mets, home to Dijon there too. Games games. That, yeah, they're really winnable games that, that might change the course of the season. They've still got a game in hand against Lille, which at least at the moment is is winnable. They've got twine a couple of weeks after that Dijon game as well. That So they've got a couple of games now where if they pick up some results, they can really start oh, pulling away from that relegation fight that might find themselves in if they, if they can't find results. But let's yeah. see what you think in this one then, Sam. What's your prediction? Um, I'm going optimistically for um, an Amiens win. I think Montpellier will struggle to to really figure out what to do against Amiens. I think Amiens will somehow... I think Lassina Traore. I've, I've slagged him off, but I think he's going to get the winner. Adam? Yeah, um, no, no. I think Amiens have really... I really agree with what Sam said about them really figuring themselves out. They're defensively, they're absolutely brilliant. And uh, I, I don't see them conceding here. So, uh, no, no. Yeah, I'm also going to go with a, a sneaky Amiens 1-0 win. I, I, I've quite liked them in the last couple of weeks. And as I've mentioned, if they do score, they earn points. And Montpellier side that you fear that if they they really, really struggle to get goals underneath them, if they're not really playing on all cylinders. And if they face an Amiens side that are likely to disrupt them and, and play a nice defensive style and force Montpellier to play football in front of them and try and attack them, and then it's maybe not going to suit them either. Um, on to uh, well, 19th versus 20th is the nicest way to put this one in as Mets uh, host Lille. Two sides really struggling, but um, the hosts, Adam, obviously in 20th with just three points. This is a massive game for them and their brand new manager Ferry Kantz, who, who we've praised in the past and were a bit surprised he really left Montpellier when he did, where they weren't quite struggling as much as they did in the latter half of the season. Is he the right man to lead them forward now? Possibly. Um, I, I'm not as I'm not as hot, as up on on as well. I'm not as enthusiastic about Frederick Hans's appointment as perhaps I would have been in a couple of other cases. I think that yes, he's a very astute manager and he did well with 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 Montpellier previously. 
and and I think he's a, a better option in this league anyway than than Philip Hinchberger, who did very well to get him promoted. But I think he's perhaps a little bit out of his depth in in league and as I've mentioned a number of times, they were very lucky to stay up last season. Um, you know, uh, it was Diabate's arrival really that kept them up in Tars' emergence. Without that, they conceded the most goals in the league and performances-wise were one of the worst teams in the league. And um, although if you compare to someone like Nancy, who, who perhaps didn't have the players, but were uh, performance-wise were, were, were their superior and, and, and beat them quite handsomely in, in one of the derbies they played against each other. So they were lucky to stay up. And I had a feeling once they got rid of those two players, Tars' Diabate, it was only a matter of time for Philip Schinsberger, unfortunately. Um, I, I, I hopefully he'll he'll return to sort of a league to a club and 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 perform well with them. But I think that it was only inevitable to to see him go. Um, uh, Frederick Hans is is as I said a, a very knowledgeable and very like astute league and coach. And, and there are a number of those coaches out there. I know that um, Frederick Antonetti was another example. Perhaps not as that's a little bit more um, robust perhaps than, than Frederick Hansen. That, that may be an option too. I, I personally wanted to see uh, Luke Holtz, the Luxembourg manager, get get a shot. I think he's done really well with that team and um, taking him from, you know, also runs in qualification to that fantastic point against France and they didn't finish bottom of their group this time and they've really built up um, that team and there are a number of the players that, you know, given that Metz is so close to Luxembourg that play for Luxembourg, Chris Phillips and the Phil brothers and um, I thought it was a nice link there and that, that, that might be an interesting point. But, Going forward, I think it's going to still going to be as 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 an astute manager as, as Hans is that this is still going to be an extremely difficult job for him. This team it is a league two team. Looking at it, um, Jan Juf has been would when he came in last year. I expect him to be huge for Mets, but he just can't stay fit. The amount of injuries he's had has been has been unreal, and he's still injured now. Barely played this season, and you would expect him to be a game changer. I think getting him fit and getting him playing well as he was at Lorient, he was fantastic at Lorient. It's going to be perhaps being the, the difference between keeping them up and and, and going down. Um, th- there are a couple of other silver linings too. Matthew De Sevi's coming from San Diego and done really well. I think he's been the best player since for them since he signed, played eight games and stood out in each one of them for me. Uh, scored a couple of goals, really nice goal in the league. Set up the winner against um, against against Angers, which is their only their only points so far. So he. Combining him with Juve could be could be a route to staying in division. But the problem is, they, much like some other teams, they they can't score goals. And if you were, if you add Nolan Rue and Emmanuel Riviere and expect them to score the goals to keep you up, then you're in trouble. And and I think that's Metz's main issue. Other teams in this league who who can't score goals like Montpellier or don't score many goals can defend really well. And when you combine not being able to score goals and not being able to defend, which Metz couldn't do last season, as I mentioned, they were the the the, the um, conceded the most goals in the league. Um, you look at Mets' defence here. Um, Bisevac has been phoning in since he returned to the league from from Italy. Philip Volshire keeps keeps getting injured, and it's an interesting signing, but hasn't been able to stamp his mark yet. Perhaps he's a someone to come in, but he he looked unfit and a little bit off, very much even off the pace in the in the cup game he played. Ben Nuasso-Cotto's been phoning in as well since he since he joined Mets. And they just look so porous and so blunt in attack that I just can't see how anybody would keep them up because they just don't have the quality at the moment. So, you know, there, there are silver linings for, for France, but perhaps you can sign some of the someone in the, in the window to score them goals. They've got that money left over from Saar, but it's going to be an extremely difficult job. And I, I, I don't see them even coming close, unfortunately. No, but they might have a chance at least this weekend, Sam. Yeah. The forever luckless Lille, um, who at least last weekend, despite the defeat to to Marseille, looked at times, dare I say, it, dangerous. Yeah, definitely, they they looked better. That's not saying a huge amount, but they did. They looked better. They looked competitive with a Marseille side that that are good. Marseille are good, and and Lille took it to them. They arguably dominated the game, arguably walked away probably feeling hard done by, not taking something from that. And it's not the first time this season that Lille have been good enough to get something but walked away with nothing, and and that's very much the problem. We've started to hear the rumblings now about Bielsa, the crowd calling for him to leave during that game. That's not ideal, certainly not going to help. Apparently his relationship with with Luis Campos, the, the sporting director there, is is troubled uh things are not going well off the pitch but as we say on the pitch things seem to be improving they, they still aren't getting the results 
obviously. Uh, a point against Trois is the best thing that's happened to them since September. That's not great, but there's still time. There's still time to turn it around. If they get a result here, which you've got to hope they do if they've got any chance really of, of pulling together, if they do get a result here, win this game, maybe that's the gives them the impetus to, to start moving because it's not it's not that bad of a side. It's a young team that they, they they've taken a lot of time to figure out the way Bielsa wants them to play. But but we saw the little green shoots in that last game, and maybe that that sort of takes root to take my tortured metaphor a little further. And and maybe maybe we see some more growth here. And, and they beat Mets and and they go on a little run. And it's not time to despair yet for Leo, I think. Yeah, there's there's little green shoots every so now and again, but I also feel that in a in a game like this, if they don't pick up a result in this one, it just adds a little bit more pressure. And I I think this will be. I don't recommend necessarily watching this one this weekend and catch the highlights possibly on this one just in case. Um, I I think it's going to be nil nil. I think both sides are are deeply in trouble, and I think it'll be a lot of effort, but uh, not a lot of uh, quality, unfortunately. Um, what do you think, Adam? Uh, I'm going to say Mets uh, aren't good enough to 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 get anything from this game. I think Leo three nil. Sam, I think it's going to be furious madness, uh, probably decided by the odd goal, and I'm going to hope that Lille can do it and, and win one nil. It's a tough one, but the, we round off with the Sunday's excellent game, really, and we're all looking forward to this one. I'm sure in the Rome derby and, and in the. Uh, in Saint-Étienne as well, which will be fantastic. They'll be absolutely rocking for this one. And uh, Adam, they, they've been a, a bit more patchy in the recent months. I mean, we, we praised Oscar Garcia's side a lot to start the season, but they have sort of tailed off a, well, a reasonable amount, really, to be fair, in the last couple of months. They've been not as good in the month of October. They've they've lost three, including the cup game on penalties, and they've only won one game, which was against Mets. They, they've slowly started to slow down on the on the goal front as well. Are they, are they finally being sort of found out after the first couple of weeks of the season? Yeah, I think, I think they have been a little bit. And um, I think that the, it was a very much a new manager bounce for Garcia to start with. We did praise him quite a lot at the start of the season, justifiably they, they were playing well, but um, I think that the, the, the sort of the trajectory they were on, they were taking under, under Christophe Gautier has, has returned a little bit in that, that, that midfield is far too workmanlike to, to create chances for their forwards. Um, defensively, they're still very, very strong and they're not conceding too many goals. But without Loic Perrin, they're still a little bit more shaky. And I think he's he's obviously a huge player for them. And and it's doubtful for the derby this weekend. Stefan, Stefan Rufio has, has, has saved him on a number of occasions. If you look back at their their performances over the last two months, um, and you, you go back to sort of the, the draw of Angers, which was a close game, they played pretty well in that. But then from then on, Beat Dijon 1-0. They're extremely lucky to win that game. Rufio saved them on a number of occasions. Uh, very, very close draw with Ren, who obviously at the wrong end of the table and, and at home you would expect them to win that. Lost at Troyes. Troyes deserved to win that game from Otis' side. Another ter- pretty poor performance. Metz, as I mentioned, a pretty terrible winning that game at home. You'd expect them to win that. Lost to Montpellier. So they're, they're, and lost to Strasbourg in the cup, as you mentioned. So I think it's been pretty average at for quite a while. And they're fortunate that that third place is so keenly contested and so many of those teams are dropping points and beating each other that they're still in contention there. And, and they will be in contention there till, in, in, at least for European places until the end of the season because they're, they're still one of the better sides in this league. But to continue the form that they started with under, under Oscar Garcia is going to be extremely difficult with this side. And that's something I think he's slowly realising. And even though the signings they made, which looked good, Remy Cabela's actually played pretty well, been injured for the last two games, but is, is, is a good addition. Jonathan Bamba's situation remains up in the air, you know, with that contract extension that he's sort of thrown his toys out the pram a little bit and demanded too much. And, you know, he's removed from the squad for a couple of games and whether he's going to stay is, is open to debate. He's, he's a good player, but not prolific. And Lois Sione has been really disappointing in, 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 in attacking areas as well, not scored enough goals by any means. And, and they just, it's sort of following that similar form and that, that they, they, the overhaul needed is greater than the one that Oscar Garcia has been able to, to provide to really inject some impetus into this team it needs they need philosophically they need to be completely over overhauled and and they need to they need to think in terms of how they can be more creative in midfield they need to think about signing a number 10 there are, there are so many ways in which this team can improve and um although oscar is a good manager i think that the the the, the gautier sort of formula 
is is a route that the the club kind of has to follow given the, the makeup of the squad and it's going to return to a very similar format i think for them so this is obviously a huge game and you're right it's going to be i'm really looking forward to watching it on sunday night it's going to be it's going to be huge i think for observers of the league and this is the derby more than so than the, at least for me, more so than La Classique, as, as much as a showpiece occasion as this is the derby in France. So it's going to be great. But uh, Sinetin still have a lot of work to do. And Garcia is a good manager and he'll get time at this club. But whether he can improve on Gautier's performances with this squad remains to be seen. Yeah, I always think if you if you enjoyed the Stade Geoffrey Guichard in that United game last season in the Europa mm. League, oh, watch it tomorrow night or oh, on Sunday night. It will be absolutely rocking and it's one of the best uh, atmospheres you'll see in all of Europe. And they're, they're facing their bitter rivals, Sam, and they've been in fantastic form really in recent times, winning five games in a row so far, really in all competitions. It's just really impressive for a side that had a little bit of a middling sort of middle section so far of the first third of the season, at least anyway. Um, they are finding their feet. The pies started playing well. Fakir is, is irresistible at times. They're finding space for Awar in the midfield when they need to as well. They, they, they're finally starting to click, aren't they? They really are. As you mentioned, that that period when they were, they were dropping all those points, they, they just couldn't win games. Really frustrating results. I mean, the, that, the madness against Bordeaux, somehow not winning that game, the frustration against Nantes, this just happened far too often. But they seem to have really turned a corner and not only have they won five games in a row, they haven't conceded for three games. They've been blowing people away too, not just winning, but but winning well and winning comfortably. And the way these youngsters have been incorporated into the side, Awa, you mentioned, he's just looked so comfortable, so at ease in this team. And it's just a very young team, uh, but they, they look so good together. And I'm, I'm starting to get very carried away with this Leon side. I'm really optimistic that they can, they can sort of do something special that, in Europe or in France, I'm not really sure. I mean, perhaps in France they can win the teams not called PSG title, which you know would, would be an excellent result for a team that we did, maybe didn't have those sort of expectations of coming into the season. But you know, it's not just Awar, it's Ndombele, it's it's Tuzai, everybody just just looking really good. I mean, as you mentioned, Depay finally showing what we we wanted to see when he went to United, what we wanted to see when he came to Lyon. We're starting to really see that, and the, the uh, the boss of it all, Nabil Fekir, called up by France today, finally getting the results that, that he deserves for, for an excellent start to the season. And he's probably the best player in France outside of Paris, arguably. I, I would absolutely agree with that at the moment. I think he's probably, I would say, at the moment on form, the best player in Liga, I would say. I, I can't think of anyone else who's playing better than Fekir at the moment. He's has a little bit of an influence on everything, which is... It's so wonderful to see. I know we mention it every time, but he, there were a, there was a year and a half really where we missed what is a really mercurial talent, and uh, at times possibly we thought were probably better than Lacazette and Toliso. And again, we thought this team would drop like a stone without those two terrific talents. But the way they've evolved so far, at least in the last month or so, has been really, really outstanding. And credit to uh, everyone involved, even Bruno Genesio, who has come under a lot of stick in the recent memory, at least anyway. But the important thing will be the result on Sunday evening, Adam. And, and what are you going for in this one? Um, I'm going to go two all. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm, I'm going to go for a bit of a surprise one. I think Leon will really possibly hammer home how centre and have been in the last couple of months. And I think it might be 4-1 to the uh, to the visitors. Uh, Sam? I'm not quite that bullish. I think they'll win, but I think probably 3-1, I think, Leon. It's going to be a, an excellent one. Do tune into that one. It, it, it's always raucous in their own derby. Uh, that's all for this evening. My thanks to Adam, Sam, and everyone listening at home. Uh, do join us again for the main show on Monday. But for now, enjoy your weekend of football.